Hey, welcome to Developers Hangout, a podcast for developers by developers, a place where we get together as often as possible and discuss a wide range of topics from the books we're reading to latest news and commentary on other tech podcasts. I'm Nathan Kirschbaum, and... Hey, I'm Al Nutilli, and uh, glad you made it back from your uh, vacation camping adventure so we can get uh, back on track with yeah, this. Yeah, didn't get eaten by any bears, which I was <laughs> uh, you, I was worried about a little bit. Because you had your highly researched bear repellent, right? Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's funny. I actually... <laughs> You, you laugh. I did. I actually did have. Uh, we had two giant cans of bear spray with yeah. us, uh, and we ended up actually getting a campsite with horse stalls. So I put the tent inside the horse stall, so that oh, yeah. uh, maybe that would deter the bear. Yeah. But we didn't have yeah. any bear issues, luckily. No, it's scary. That's all. <laughs> there were sightings, but no issues. So anyway, yeah. yeah. So how? How? So yeah, I, I'd. Uh, I took one. One almost one week off, and just kind of getting back into the swing of things. How? How are things going for you, Al? Oh, they're fine. Uh, working a ton on that SaaS product idea, and I'm realizing this is a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, so going through that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Interested in getting your thoughts on that a little later. We might talk about sure. it. That'd sure. be great. Um, so yeah, let's just jump into headlines. There's a lot of interesting things going on over uh, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, maybe you could kick us off, Al. Yeah, as always, uh, Matt Stauffer has his Five Minute Geek Show, and sometimes they're really good. Um, decoupling all things is interesting. And he interviewed the guy from um, Watch Me Code, a pretty, pretty interesting coding uh, tutorial place. Uh, so just some interesting insights of how to decouple your applications. Yeah, and I thought this was particularly good for folks who maybe aren't um, aren't familiar with cues or just like yeah. the, the concepts of decoupling. Um, even having even knowing a little about it, it was very interesting. Yeah. But it was so concise in two or three minutes, he was able to kind of like break down. Um, yep. in a kind of, you know, it's a little abstract, but it's, it, you try to make it a little more concrete of like why you, why you want to think, yeah. think in that way, decoupling all things. Um, yeah. you know, well, talk- you, go ahead. Yo, sorry, go, go. Well, I was going to say, you know, and just breaking it, it took me so long to think about things in terms of messages. Yeah. Um, yeah. you yeah. know, it, it's surprising cause I mean, you know, he was able to state it very clearly within a few minutes, but, um, you know, it was good. Nice. Yeah. The messages part. That's a good point. Yeah. No, I mean, it's so simple, too. Like, whether you're using whatever framework now, they typically come with a queue driver and a database drive queue. So you can just dump it right into a database and have your listener grab it. So it doesn't have to go somewhere else, like Amazon SQS. It can just be a local process, right? Yeah, for sure. It's interesting, though. As I was listening to this podcast, um, and it's real short, but um, it made me think of some work we did recently where we, we, um, we were just creating a real simple microservice API using uh, Lumen, just lightweight. Yeah. <clears throat> lightweight. And um, it's the new 5.1. And they've done some really cool, yeah. cool stuff to streamline it. Um, yeah. But one of the things I thought was interesting, and we ended up getting around it, um, there's a very, you know, in order for it to be kind of streamlined quick, Lumen and, and Laravel, by the way, 5.1, um, has a kind of a particular data structure that it's looking for out of the box. Um, yeah. And that turned out to be pretty interesting for us because it actually coupled it to the system right. in a way that was unexpected because we had other we have other systems listening to it right. or wanting to interact with that service. You know, other systems meaning like Laravel 4.2, which w- became problematic because it was expecting a different data structure. Um, and then, you know, non-Laravel, you know, yeah. folks could talk to too. So it was just interesting where when you're talking about decoupling it, even you can even break it down into like being careful not to couple too much in terms of the messages that you're sending as well. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, I don't know if we ever found a really good solution for that too in the long run. 
No, I think we just had to make it all conform to what yeah. what Lumen wanted, which wasn't too bad, but, you know. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a structure that makes sense, but you're right. It's like, well, now I'm shooting this off somewhere else, and that somewhere else can be anything, and I just want it to be a simple uh, uh, object. Right. Um, so, so, yeah. Yeah, and the recent SAS thing, I'm like, you know, uh, using the queue to just pull up my request so I don't overload the database. It was really simple, and, uh, you know, I could spin up, you know, 10 uh, queue workers to just slowly uh, clean out the queue, uh, but without ever getting too heavy on the database. Mm-hmm. It's been yeah. pretty awesome. I hit it pretty hard with some uh, testing. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Um, so, yeah, other headlines we've got. Um, let's see. We want to talk a little bit about the latest uh, Laravel podcast episode, episode 30, Trouble, Trouble, Trouble. Uh, really good. It's about a little over 30 minutes, but a good a good listen. Um, in particular, just kind of like design sim- simplicity. And I think, you know, Al, this is something that has kind of re- has a reoccurring theme for us um, yeah. as we continue to build these products for folks. Uh, yeah. Just focusing on sim- simplicity. Um, you know, and Jeffrey Way talks about it a little bit, the, the whole gang really. Um, but I guess, you know, just kind of, um, it's really interesting, like how, how, as you develop, you know, as you progress as a developer and even look at the things that you've done two months ago, four months ago, six months ago, um, you're always kind of like, I'm, at least I don't know about you, Al, but at least me, I'm always finding ways where it's like, oh, you know, I really yeah. could have simplified that more. Even when I spent a bunch of time trying to keep it simple, um, yeah. You know, it, it's tricky. And I guess in this podcast, it was interesting um, because they talk, you know, there's there's a bunch of um, debate in the community about uh, events and, you know, should they be fired from a controller, for example? Because I think, you know, the purists want to say, well, no, like the controller <laughs> really is just direction yeah. like you're just handing something off and and you know a, a repository does something else or a service does something yeah. about so you really shouldn't have any logic at all in your <laughs> controller which is yeah. like a, you know it's a good that's a good uh overarching policy to go by yeah. but like the question is like when you have just a simple app or a simple api you know is it worth like the kind of like sticking to that dogma when yeah. you could just make it really simple and fire an event from a controller and it can still be tested. And, you know, so, so, and th- it was a really interesting conversation about keeping things simple. Yeah, no, it's true. It's, um, uh, you know, some of these things we throw away, they're prototypes, you know, and you just want to crank them out. Uh, so there's always that fine line between, um, you know, uh, doing it the way that, you know, like, Basically, you know, being a prototype or being something that could be thrown away or an idea, you might as well keep it simple. And then, you know, always find that line where you're you're pushing against the grain too much that, um, you know, you're, it's even more complicated to do it that way, right? So, mm-hmm. but the the point is overall, it's like, yeah, I just think more and more uh, I'm questioning myself when I start to make a repository when I could just shoot the event from there, you know? Right. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it was a good podcast. It was just... You know, just interesting to hear what the community is talking about, too. At least that part of the community. There's so many different PHP communities. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of that, actually, our next item on the list, um, full full stack radio, um, which if if you haven't checked out, uh, just a great. Um, yeah. they, they have such a can't a, say it enough. Yeah, like it's such a wide uh, range of things too. That's great. Yeah. I mean, that, I get, that's a full stack, right? Oh, Andy, Andy made a joke. He's like the Terry Gar. You know, it's like here's our. He does great interviews. You yeah, know? yeah, for sure. Yeah. So in, in this one in particular, episode twenty one, um, they actually talk with uh, Chad Patel, CEO of Thoughtbot, who I've yeah. heard before. They're they're actually a decent sized company. I think right now they're. 
I don't know, a little under 100 folks, and they've got four or five offices. Um, and it's just really interesting. Like, a lot, of, a lot of things to kind of think about and chew your teeth into here. It's about an hour podcast. Um, you know, t- talks about balancing, like, client workflow, developing internal products, which is a lot of, like, we're, we obviously are working on internal products. We, we have our right. own product ideas we're working on, so that really hits home. Um, you know, like growing your client base without compromising principles, um, which is also something we talk about a lot because, you know, bo- yeah. you know, both Al and I come from kind of more traditional um, waterfall approaches or, or kind of like shops that, that are, were born out of that. And so we're always kind of talking as our team progresses and grows and as we, um, you know, shift and, and reorganize to better meet you know, our clients needs. Um, it's always something we're talking about. So this was a really, really interesting, um, podcast for me. Yeah. I mean, I started listening to it again today. Um, I'm going to finish it a second time just cause there's so much in there. Mm. Uh, and we'll touch on it a little bit more later on in the, uh, the Q and a area. Cool. So let's see, what do we have next? Yeah, it's, it, we'll put this in the show notes too, but it's just a quick reference to angular and meteor. There's a good podcast adventures in angular uh, it's always a good listen, I would really say. Um, the, the, the team there is just a fun team uh, who do that podcast. And Angular, and they did. They interviewed a guy who uh, really had a lot to do to bring in Meteor into a place where it's easy uh, or for Angular developers to use with Angular. So it's a good good episode uh, and, I, I, you know, some interesting stuff if you, if you feel like you want to try Meteor or, or have a need for it. Yeah, it's really interesting. I wasn't. I did a, li- a little bit of um, looking into what Meteor was, and I hadn't yeah. had um, I hadn't had much experience with it. But it's really cool. I, and that, there's actually a link there if you're interested um, that shows kind of a video of yeah, his, uh, presentation. his presentation. Yeah, and that was really nice because within five minutes he's got it up and running, and you can see right away for for any of us who have built kind of like applications where you're doing real-time updating you know yeah. so now we're you know we're using pusher or there's a yeah. there's a bunch of different ways that you can do it um it kind of just blew my mind a little that a lot of that's just built in and and with with yeah. a, literally a couple lines of code um there was real some really interesting things happening and you and you can really see like i mean our applications are really needing more and more and, and we're kind of i think sometimes um maybe being let down by pusher um, maybe because we're using it the wrong way or expecting too much out of it because it is HTTP, if I remember right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, these other technologies might start fitting in nicely. Um, they, uh, I think we have a link here to the Redis queue stuff. Uh, did I put that here? It's a pod... Uh, I didn't. Uh, Larry Cass has, um, uh, a, a not too old, but a recent uh, Taylor Otwell doing a video on broadcasting events mm. and how he's pulled in a driver for Pusher and Redis. Uh, so he just talks about in that video as well that if you really want uh, instant, uh, quick uh, communications, then you could use Redis instead of Pusher driver. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and so I'm just seeing a certain pattern of like maybe sometimes we need a more robust um, communication because these applications have those moments where you're either getting immediate feedback from something in the background or another user maybe right so. yeah that's really interesting i look look forward to seeing that video we'll put it in yeah, the show yeah. notes for folks yeah um cool oh, so the, so the other thing on the list um just an interesting topic uh there's an article and we'll link to this um uh, it's uh, let's see. I'll probably mess up his name quite a lot here. Jaco Solonen, um, why we should stop using Bower oh, yeah, and yeah, how yeah. to do it. 
Um, and this is really interesting. I, you know, there's I've heard a bit here and there, um, but this article this, this this article was very interesting. I wasn't aware. I don't know if you knew this. I wasn't aware that Bauer didn't support or doesn't support nested dependencies. Um, and so there's kind of some wonky things you have to work around if hmm. you've got nested dependencies. Um, yeah. I mean, it's funny. Our builds are so simple, um, and and we use it and then npm. I'm like, why are we using both of them? Right. And even in the end, it's like you know we don't need it like composer. We just want to download these libraries and and, and lock them in because we don't want to keep changing them and updating them. Right. Uh, it's it's funny when I listen to the Angular Adventure podcast or Adventures in Angular. I think we're not a serious JavaScript front end developing team. We're a mix. Mm-hmm. And with that mix, I think you know finding the middle ground is better for us instead of trying to go all out at the JavaScript level or go out all all out in the back end level, right? Right. So in this case, I'm like, yeah, why do we have Bower and npm? And when we do use Bower, I mean, why are we using it over and over again with every build when it slows us down? Right. You know? um, right. So and I've been working on a, a workflow for us as a team using Bower. Uh, has another uh, npm uh, thing called Bower installer that takes everything out of Bower and puts it into a more flat folder structure. Oh, interesting. Huh. Yeah, because we have just a horrible build right now. We we have a really messy asset management system. Right. Um, and that's fine. It will get better. All the tools are there for us: Gulp, Elixir, Bower, npm, whatever. We just haven't done a good job of. Um, of uh, you know agreeing to a workflow. Yeah, and making that a focus. Yeah. 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 For sure. So that's a nice read. We'll put a link to that um, on the details page as well. Um, All right. So, yeah. So the next one is uh, Herding Coders, starting a company based on open source project. Another good uh, podcast listen. Um, this one, the person they interviewed um, had a product that uh, was, is, as it says, open source and how he dealt with it. But I just liked listening to him. He had a lot of good insight into miscellaneous things like scaling and microservices. And just hearing him talk was just uh, some really good information there from someone who obviously um, is, is seasoned. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. And I think especially like from the perspective of someone who started, you know, like he t- he talks a bit about, um, you know, a bit of his naivety when he started out and what, what like the consequences of that or things he, he didn't uh, – you know, things you just didn't know to think about, um, which is really interesting for someone who's interested, you know, either has their own business or is starting their own business. Um, some really, uh, you know, good, good, uh, words of wisdom in, in that podcast. All right. Next me, (laughs) THP storm tips and tricks. Uh, just, uh, I, again, I stumbled upon it. I was looking, um, at something else and I saw this, it's a YouTube video where they go over some of that and, and just reminds me, you know, it's not the IDE that makes you, it's, 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 you know, how good we get with our tools. I think in the end that really helps us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I barely use storm as is I, you know, I, I, I use a fraction of it. So I, I got to start doing this more. Yeah. Same here. This is helpful. Uh, and then lastly, I just referenced Facebook's article on MySQL cause we use dynamo DB on the last project, a still existing project. And, uh, there was a need for it, I think, but in the end, uh, we, I realized how nice Laravel's, uh, ORM is uh, in migrations and everything to really speed up our work and our pro- mm-hmm. and our prototyping and everything. Um, and and uh, and then you know just made me realize you know can SQL can MySQL uh, or a SQL database scale? And I think the answer in this article is clear: it can. And and you have other things like Cassandra uh, and so forth that show there are ways to scale um, uh, a SQL database. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, very cool. I got to look into that more. I mean, I know when we when we started thinking about there, there was you know a lot of issues about or concerns about kind of con- concurrency, yeah, um, and those kind of things. Especially when you're in a scenario where you know, uh, like for one of our projects, for example, a single job, yeah. someone uploads a file, and uh, yeah. you know, twenty seven worker, like you know, tw- twenty essentially twenty seven servers fire up to to do different things all at the same time. Many of them. Uh, posting back to the database right and so yeah. you know in yeah. a scenario where you have five or six people you know even this, this which is a fairly small amount using the system at the same time uh you're likely to get uh, quite a number of concurrent um database yeah. queries you know so yeah. definitely interested in to learn more about this and get through that article yeah i mean it just next time we hit those things we'll we'll, we'll have more to think with mm-hmm. for sure all right, so topics, Q, question Q&A. I don't know why I called it that. But anyways, uh, <laughs> oh, we have latest readings before that, which is empty because we're still reading the microser- uh, microservice uh, book. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're probably going to wrap up Chapter 5 uh, this week. Uh, it's a long chapter, um, and there was a lot of good topics last week. You weren't there at that one, but there was a lot of good points. Uh, Kevin Mole brought up uh, this book has... Uh, Sometimes doesn't follow through with complete examples, hmm. um, but it, you know I think later on in that chapter he does. So I'm, I'm glad to keep reading it. Yeah. Um, but the main topic there uh, was splitting up some of it about the database. Like your applications are tied to one database. How can you slowly break them up into two databases in, right. in the process of doing that? And then the challenge of foreign key restraints that come with that. And how you can work your way around that, and, and his thoughts about those type of things. Yeah, um, and that's so yeah. that's particularly helpful too, because I think you know, unless unless you're quite experienced with microservices, I think the the approach that most would recommend is that you start with monolith and then break into uh, microservices as needed. Um, and so that you know, obviously those kinds thinking about those kinds of things are particularly useful. Um, yeah. when you're yeah. going about it with from that approach from that angle yeah and he and you know so w- whether you did it on purpose or by accident he just has some he starts to work out real examples of like here's your situation where you have two databases now you know with php we have all the namespacing now you can easily move a bunch of classes into a folder that are its, its own namespace and then mm-hmm. before long you can drag that all the way out to its own library and then you still hit the same database and then before long you're hitting two databases right so, uh, it, you know, it was really, you know, some good stuff. Uh, again, it, it would be nice to keep reading and see how he really uh, goes from theory to, to more practical. And I think he's getting there, but I think, like Kevin said, it's sometimes he feels like uh, the, the guy still talks from a certain level of armchair theory. Mm, yeah. So. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, All right. So back into topics, Q&A. Uh, so the first one is back to that full stack uh, podcast uh, episode twenty one, uh, where he does that interview uh, with Thoughtbot. There's a lot of good points in this podcast, and one of them was the thought of how they uh, don't have a salesperson, uh, they don't necessarily have project management team or person, and it really comes down to the developer and the designer uh, working directly with the customer or product owner. Uh, and I just was like, wow, that makes so much sense to me from experience. And not that the other ways can't work, but I got to say, I've never felt them to be too efficient. Yeah. Um, I've endlessly found the product manager or sorry, project manager uh, being an in-between that was lacking in the ability to really understand the tech and, 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 and sometimes miscommunicate. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of reminds me of my days working in a computer shop uh, where, you know, the salesperson would sell something and, and back in the day when you built computers and then come over to us and be like, hey, uh, can we really build that because I just sold it. <laughs> and it's like, you know, uh, you know, how do you do better at this, right? And so in this case, I, I really find it nice where you can have that mix. And as a developer, it's like, well, man, I don't want to sit in meetings all day and so forth. But you don't have to because uh, the best projects I've had is when day-to-day I would just check in for whatever, half hour, an hour with the owner and be like, um, are we on track? Is this what you wanted to see? Here's what we got. And then spend the other six or seven hours actually working on something that wasn't wrong. Right. Uh, so I really like that workflow. Yeah, it's a really it's a, it's very interesting, um, and and it's you know it's compelling. It is they they do you know like the, to the extent that they have project management, and they don't really. I mean, I think it's really kind of self organized teams, self motivated teams. Um, but I thought what was really interesting is they do have one person that they'll right. assign to the team that kind of helps facilitate. I think they may even call them the facilitator. And this is actually a person who, you know, who might be, uh, it's not officially a project manager. It could be a designer or a developer from another team that just, you know, for, for a few minutes here and there comes in when needed to kind of help with some of the more process stuff. So, so, so that developers don't have to get bogged down with those kind of things and they can focus their energy on other things besides like organization or like resolving, you know, conflicts that don't have anything to do with them or whatever. Um, you know, so, so there's that kind of stuff too, but what's interesting there is they, it's kind of like a shared responsibility, responsibility amongst developers and designers. Um, so you may be a member of a, of a particular team, but just, you know, take an hour a week or, or, you know, whatever, 15 minutes a day or whatever. And, help be a facilitator on some other project that you're, you're not emotionally invested in. So you can kind of be, um, you know, you can kind of be more yeah. uh, independent and uh, help folks through some of the trickier spots. Yeah, no, it's true. And uh, you know, it's, it's like um, uh, so many projects I've been on, like uh, a lot of times the project manager is dealing with endless emails and base camp threads. And it's like, well, I wonder if those would have just gone away if we just had our morning check-in with the client instead of waiting three months to show them the finished product. And mm-hmm. if we just made the communication more precise uh, and, and, and uh, consistent, and therefore, I don't know, it just seems like all that stuff never was worth it. Yeah. So, but And you really like the uh, other part of that podcast. Um, yeah, there was, I mean, what I, one of the things that I thought was particularly interesting was the they have a playbook. Uh, which is yeah. essentially, and we'll link, yeah. we'll link to this, by the way, uh, in the show notes. But it's it's essentially just kind of like a, a list of kind of like their beliefs and their principles and uh, the things that make them a company and make them operate and make make their employees happy um, and things like this. And you know, it's introduced to anyone who's a potential client or you know who wants to hire these folks uh, has access to the playbook. You can go look at it. And it's one of these things where, you know, if they, they are very opinionated about things. Um, and if you don't like it, you don't have to, do bu- <laughs> you don't have to do business with them. Yeah. Um, you know, and it helps them also to understand like what they're compromising, um, and you know, when they're willing to compromise on some of those yeah. things, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. He did talk about that with the fixed bid, uh, job that came, you know, falls in your lap. Do you just say no, or do you try to 
look at it in a different way and that's the part i want to hear again like how do you make it more of a let's take this one thing at a time right um yeah and it goes i mean honestly goes back to the, the old adage what is it like um you know you've got uh you've got quality you've got time and you've got budget pick two <laughs> is that it? Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's like, you know, cause it's just, uh, you know, and then that's really what it is, is like, if you want, if you need fixed budget, um, and you need, you need it done in a certain amount of time, then you're going to have to be flexible on the features. And as long as you, you know, as long as you're flexible on the features, um, you know, we've got uh, an awesome team that is, you know, definitely going to be able to move you forward and, you know, get you in a decent spot. It's just, what really gets tricky is when you've got you know you you got you want a fixed bid, you know fixed price, and a fixed set of features and a fixed <laughs> time like yeah. yeah yeah so no I it's 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 glad to know that uh, especially I think in our area we're surrounded by a lot of waterfall uh, people shops mindsets and it's really always great to hear these successful stories and in, in shops not doing it that way yeah it's really reassuring indeed all right. Um, the next one was AWS release at API Building Gateway, and, and I just wanted to bring this up and keep an eye on it. Um, uh, you know, it's like you can now build APIs with AWS, and even though it's a gateway, so it would just maybe talk to another existing API, mm-hmm. you just start seeing how easy it will be in, in no time to just build APIs that talk to Lambda, that talk to uh, directly to, say, S3 or, EC or uh, our, uh, RDS database. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you're not, you know, you're not really, uh, what is a framework anymore at that point, you know? Right. Right. Um, so, you know, and, and no more DevOps. So it's it's nice in the long run. It's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, and, and with all of this stuff, we lose things but gain things. And then there's new um, uh, things that people want that we can then focus our creative energy on. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, we definitely need to keep an eye on this. I just was laughing a little bit because if you, you know, it's funny because like we keep talking about like, oh, no more DevOps or like try to get rid of the <laughs> DevOps. But what I've been noticing is like to the extent that we like get rid of our need for expertise on DevOps, we like increase our need to like understand the increasingly complex AWX infrastructure, AWS infrastructure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, with their documentations. Okay. Not, not the greatest usually. Um, yeah, but I mean, incredibly powerful, obviously. So definitely something yeah. to keep our eye on. Um, but it's just funny. I thought of that. Yeah. I mean, like Andy said, uh, another person on our team, it's like Heroku makes their money by making, uh, AWS easy, you know? Yeah. It, they're just a wrapper around, uh, you know, this service and, and they put a workflow around it, you know? Right. Um, so, uh, all right. So, yeah. um, well, one thing. Al is actually talking this coming weekend at Drupal Camp NYC, and I, I was actually hoping, Al, maybe you could just give us a quick <laughs> preview of what you plan to talk about um, right. and what day it is maybe. So it's Friday morning, 9 a.m. Uh, it's um, I didn't know this till like yesterday or the day before, so I've been planning to have 45 minutes. Uh, and basically in 30 minutes, I'm going to uh, build a blog in, in Laravel. And it's inspired by the blog video that um, DHH, the creator of Ruby on Rails, did ah, 10 yeah. or 9 years ago. Yeah. And I'm using that because it inspired me because in my past use of frameworks, it was always this um, mysterious connection between the request coming in and the response going out. And what Laravel, uh, Express, uh, Mean, using Express, uh, what Sinatra, all these other frameworks, Rails, 
showed me is that uh, 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 what it also can be is like, here's your route file, take the response, do whatever the heck you want, push it right out, right there. And, and it just kind of made it um, just really cool to see all that stuff happen in front of you. And also to eliminate for me the fear of like, uh, in my case, not having a UI to build a node or a model, um, not having a UI to build a view to show the data, and to show how all these things can be made quickly and easily, and in what seems like a lot of work ends up not being, and, and the control you get ends up being worth any extra work it might seem to be at first. So I'm just hopefully going to show in, in that 30 minutes um, uh, how this stuff really is, lets you into the, to the secrets and how it really gives you the power to, to make what you want. That'd be great. That'd be yeah, great. I mean, like, yeah, I can't say enough. Like, this SaaS product I'm about to release is like, uh, you know, I've tried to build these in the past with other frameworks, and, and I can't say enough how Laravel is making this possible. And I could have seen Rails make it possible because I made one for another company. And at that moment, I was like, wow, these SaaS things are easy when you have these powerful tools. Right. Um, so. Very cool. Yeah, and so I, the other thing I actually wanted to ask you about um, is just kind of generally, so you've done, you've obviously done a lot of preparation, um, going into this conference. Um, I've spoken at a couple of conferences, um, or just local, local, like kind of meetups yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Um, or camps. Um, I just kind of curious, like, what do you do? Uh, like, you know, I think a lot of our, yeah. a lot of our co- colleagues and, and friends end up speaking at one point or another or want to, um, and I'm, they may be interested and I'm just kind of interested, like what, what do you do to prepare for, uh, for, a a presentation um in in this case uh you know so right depending like i've done a few of these and it depends on the presentation And in the end what i do to prepare is as much as i can because i really feel like uh you know uh, you know how i value time like i get really uh short if people are like talking wasting my time and i'm in too many meetings i go nuts Right. right? right So here I am taking how many people's time. <clears throat> so I want to make sure I use their time efficiently and, ef- and effectively. So as much as I can, I try to get the material together uh, into into in, to do what I can to be you know good about what I'm presenting. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, it, well, I was just gonna say, and, and to me it depends. Like I see a lot of presentations where there's slides. I tend to lean more towards examples. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes sense. And do you practice before? Uh, this yeah i mean this one i don't want to miss a, a beat right i got 30 minutes yeah uh, so i've done it like five or more times already i'm gonna do five more by then where i just go zero to 30 and i build the blog yeah um so i could i can recite it you know verbatim i do it while i'm driving sometimes so more than five times i've gone over this wow that's great so yeah very cool. How about you? What do you What do you feel? Yeah, no, I think the biggest thing is practicing. Like for me personally, yeah. like the first <laughs> so the first one I ever did was um, I, I had I was uh, on a member on the team that built JackDaniels.com in, in Drupal seven actually, yeah. um, and we had worked with the agency we were working with to and to kind of like do a, a big presentation in in the hopes of ultimately like doing something at an even bigger venue. Um, but this was just kind of at a, like a new England regional, um, get together camp. So a few hundred people, uh, in the main auditorium. And, you know, I really had like the big, it it went well, but the big mistake I made there was I actually had things too choreographed. 
Um, oh, and for yeah. me, this di- different people work in different ways. Like I didn't, the problem was I didn't have it memorized, but I had it all. I like, you know, I'd, I'd written it all out in such a way that it wasn't, and it wasn't perfectly memorized to the point where like some of it came across as kind of reading or something like oh, that. Yeah. So it was kind of, yeah. it was, it was, it was yeah. my first foray and, and you know, it's good to kind of like make mistakes and learn. Um, yeah. but what I found out is, and I, the, the, the ones I done, uh, the ones I did after that, it really made sense for me to kind of have an outline with bullet points but and not to like not to oh, speak yeah. from not not to have it all nailed down but just to like <laughs> yeah. know what topics and then like you said just practice 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 i would you know i went i went to work early a few days and just like sh- you know shut shut myself in the conference room <laughs> and just like talk to myself for 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 you know my you yeah. know, for, for a half hour or whatever an hour in my case but yeah, it, yeah you know that's the biggest thing i think is practicing yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is a funny balance between being like uh, verbatim and then like playing the the moment. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and and what else is going to happen too? And this is kind of cool. Is at nine a.m. I'll present at nine thirty. Ryan um, uh, from Commerce Guys. Ryan Sharma. Uh, yeah, I don't know how to say his last name. I think yeah. it's a Z sound. Uh, I've really um, always been impressed with his presentations. Seems like a really great guy. He's going to yeah. present on Slim. Uh, oh, wow. and, and that's cool. Cause, um, I've, that was one of my first builds is, uh, when, uh, with PHP of like, wow, I can really just do this in the route. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then some other guy is going to present Chris Bowden, uh, uh, on react PHP. He, 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 I don't know if he'll present, he's going to be, um, talking. So after the three of us prevent me, Ryan, and I think Krell is going to talk about, um, uh, Silex, nice. which again was what how I first built B Hat Editor, right. and then we just copy pasted uh, everything into Laravel when we got the go. Yeah, uh, and uh, so after the three of us present, uh, then we're all going to sit down and have a thirty minute chat about using these other frameworks. Um, they're categorizing Laravel as a micro framework. I'm going to try and be clear, it's not. Right, uh, it's not. Uh, Lumen is Laravel's right. not, and right. so we'll go from there. But I do hope it doesn't get mistaken for that because it's more than a micro framework. Wow, <laughs> that's going to be really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very so. cool. Um, cool. Well, that's all I had for that. Um, yeah. Did you have some thoughts on like Envoyer or? Um... Right, right. I'll go into that. So, uh, so basically, I was going to say uh, with Incomings.io, I moved it to Envoyer.io so that. Um, uh, instead of me deploying my builds, uh, you know, we I would never deploy production with CodeShip, um, but uh, I was deploying my production builds after everything would pass um, using tags or whatever and using the scripts we have in the Envoy um, uh, tool, not Envoyer. And uh, Envoy is a deployment tool, for a uh, scripting tool for PHP that uh, also Taylor Otwell made. Uh, but there's many good choices out there for, like, uh, deploying stuff um, the 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 Ruby one a lot of people use. Um, mm. uh, that's what I was using for a while. Um, it was really cool. Uh, I'm cool. missing the name right now, um, but you could you know build an AWS instance. You could deploy to it, whatever. Yeah. So what is actually uh, happening there? Like what's the yeah? What's so the en- yeah. So Envoyer is doing some slick stuff in the background where it. Uh, it builds a second uh, folder, uh, version folder in there. It does all your composer build. And to the last moment, it does a symlink exchange with your current site. Uh-huh. So your site's not down for any moments while you're doing a composer build. Because uh, that can take your site down for uh, a set number of time. And um, and so during that process, it's it's still live. does a symlink. Everything's go. If it's not, you can revert the symlink. The only downfall over all of this shit is there's no quick answer to like what if my database migration died now 
Um, honestly, you know, with the right build process, it's not going to happen because mm-hmm. uh, you're building dev and then you're building stage and then you're building prod. So you basically would have hit a lot of that to begin with, right. in my opinion. Um, but the zero downtime is, is really nice and the ease of which it all happens uh, has been really nice. And it has a built-in like um, health checker. So my server can check in with it and it can check in with my server all day long and ping me if there's uh, nothing going on uh, if something bad is going on which is nothing right, <laughs> right. so so yeah it's been nice I, I um you know and like all these tools i always love learning from them and seeing how i can uh, build better stuff with them uh w- with what they show me or by using them you know it's funny with all these tools uh code ship envoyer you know it's like at some point we're going to be building products on top of products and uh and so that was an interesting thought with something i'll talk to you later on about yeah for sure um, so does sound good um yeah and at some point i would love i'm sure everyone else because you've 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 referenced it a couple times this SaaS product you're working on i think you even mentioned the name a few minutes yeah. ago but we really yeah. don't know <laughs> yeah we we the public really don't know much about yeah. it yeah so uh um, yeah. ho- hopefully soon we'll get to hear more about that yeah yeah totally um it's a, the only bummer is is like all these products scratch our own itches and uh as you know i haven't been doing the microservices lately it's been you and andy and others mm-hmm. uh and so i haven't been in that complex flow lately and uh so i've not been like hitting the the thing but you know like when i was building that monitoring tool so that we could run those behat tests every hour yeah it was working perfect and it was lovely to have one place to watch the the job start from behat and a cron job to going to sauce labs to going to a queue to going back to behat to going maybe back to the queue and then back to sauce labs you know right and in this one place, I could watch the whole process to see if it was dying or giving me errors. Um, and, you know, so and it even takes over logging so you can actually log right to the tool. Uh, so you're seeing everything from beginning to end. Yeah, and it's apparently, like, I saw it in action but didn't set it myself, but it's basically just using Laravel middleware, right? So that you can, you know, we, right. we have like however many applications working and, and it's just a fairly simple pl- process to plug this in so that from a, simple, a centralized location, right. we can see, you know, when we have, tw- like I mentioned that scenario uh, a few minutes ago where we have 27 yeah. servers spin up. Yeah. Oh man, you should have seen us trying to troubleshoot that the, the first few times, you know, before before we had, the, you know, it's just, oh man. Um, yeah, so there's like uh, a number of ways to plug it in. So you could do what you're saying where you could use the built-in middleware that Laravel has, uh, which might be PSR7 compliant. So you could use it in Drupal is my next goal, um, eight. Uh, and you can also use it to, to take over logging. Uh, by using the facade and, and, and plugging in the use. You know how mm. you put use on the top of your file? Well, now you're saying use my logger instead. So it uh, now logs locally and to the tool. Very nice. Um, but you could also swap out the app.php to say, instead of using this for log, use my tool for log, and now you get both. Nice. Um, and so in middleware also has term, terminate. So you're not only getting the before uh, uh, request coming in, you're actually getting the request and the response. Mm. So all... You know, and then there's an endpoint to hit. So now you can say, okay, Iron, uh, when you hit, you can multicast your server, your queue, uh, if it's a push queue. So you're saying, hey, when you push to uh, our worker, also push to our queue so you can see if it came in there as well. And so I'm trying to get all the angles. Uh, I even have a server calling in every hour with an app get uh, security update so that I can even see that particular server's security updates and oh. create a reaction off of it. Yeah. yeah. So you so by using curl you could curl every hour, every minute, every whatever to say here's the status of the server. 
Um, and then you can now do reactions where you're like, hey, the message came in. It says security update needed. Boom, ping me on Slack, you know. Right. That's really cool. Yeah, so it's getting there. Yeah, excited to see excited to see what where this goes. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll fill you, I'll fill you in more next time. I think it will be ready to go live and, and I'll be going. Uh you know, and the and I built a and uh, artisan tool to actually hit it with like, you know, make believe twenty servers are hitting it at once with uh, you know, a total of, you know, uh fifty requests. So I can now spin oh, up nice. uh you know, using Symphony processing I can f- spin up X number of machines as if uh, or processes as if that's like 20 servers hitting me at once in parallel mm. and it was doing really well um, in partly because I told you I, I put a wall in front of it it's like hey got a request put it in the queue right right, right. so it's really. not killing PHP it's just dumping stuff in Beanstalk yeah. DQ the beauty of decoupling yeah yeah and hopefully all my workers are picking them up quick enough so it seems seamless and, right and uh, pusher, you know, seems to be working okay for showing it on the front end. But um, if it doesn't, we can I can keep moving things out. Very cool. So, yeah. All right. So the last one on the list I got is uh, an article by Lullabot using Node.js and React. Great article. What is isomorphic application? I, I it just makes me want to keep reading about that stuff. But it also just reminded me, like, wow, these Lullabot uh, is a well-known Drupal shop and. Um, it's it's interesting. They're building their website, uh, their their front end website with with this other technology, um, and so I was just impressed that they're doing that, and, and just reminded. Um, I don't know if you remember um, that other Drupal shop, uh, Development Seed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just remember the day they said they were leaving Drupal. I was just in a in a in a daze for like a couple of days. Yeah. Because uh, I'm like, why would they leave Drupal? It's so successful. Right. And um, it just reminded me, uh, it just really was a shocker. And, you know, it was a game changer for me and my thinking, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, it really is interesting. And I over the years, it's been interesting to watch shops and, you know, see how they deal with it. Because, um, you know, it's, you know, Drupal is not a one one size fits all tool. There, there are really good things that it can do, and there are definitely, uh, you know, definitely places that it helps. But it's not like it, they're not always obvious. Um, you know, the, the, depending on the team that you have, depending on your business needs, depending on lots of yeah. things, um, yeah. it really depends. And, and I've seen many shops, um, you know, just focus in, you know, basically just focusing in on Drupal, specializing on nothing but Drupal. Um, and it's interesting because on one hand you can see, you know, you see it and you're like, well, you know, it does make sense to specialize, but, yeah. but, but as yeah. a developer, I also know that like the minute I quote unquote specialize to the point where I don't feel that I'm like, you know, a full stack developer or, you know, yeah. basically, basically in this profession, we've, we've taken a job where we have to continuously learn and, yeah. and things are moving so fast that when we stop learning, you know, that's when, you know, it's going to be really hard to catch up when things change and they will change. And so I think there's a parallel for me, you know, it's like, I, I like to see these really big prominent Drupal shops have, have, uh, you know, do projects with other technologies. Um, yeah, it's really, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, but you know, and, and to, and to play the devil's advocate, you and I specialize right now in, in a big degree in Laravel and Angular. Mm-hmm. Um, in, 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 it's easy tempting for us to say every, every, uh, everything's a nail cause we got the hammer kind of thing. Right. 
and and so but hopefully you and I will always challenge our own thinking in in those moments be like are you sure you know right and and it's great we read these things because it's like well look at react look at uh you know node or whatever it's out there right and and maybe this job needs that um so so in the end hopefully we don't get ourselves kind of in that in that box of thinking um in 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 partly with our efforts to think about how to build things we can build things in any uh, tool, uh, even though in the end we might be boxed in, I, want, I don't want to say boxed in a bad way, but to PHP, because I really enjoy PHP. Right. Um, but, but you know, if we had to jump into a job that's like, hey, this has to be done in, in Ruby, um, you know, am I so boxed I can't do it or not want to do it? Or, or, you know, maybe, I don't know, right? Yeah. So, because you can't know everything, and I kind of do want to know some things so well that I can not only just crank, but I can think very precisely. Right. You know, right. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think, um, you know, well, you certainly with your background have had that where like, you know, you've gone through, you know, and and, uh, same thing for me to some degree, although not as long where, you know, you went for through a number of years where you kind of specialized almost exclusively in Drupal. You know, yeah. um, or or you you even were kind of more at one point in kind of like the sysadmin side where you well, you, yeah you, you know that was just because that was um uh it was before uh, Drupal it was like just at that time where people freaking couldn't even network their computers and right. I was like okay I'll do that right you know here's how you share a drive and right uh, you know uh, but that but honestly there was a point where I'm like okay the web. I want a tool. I'm going to choose Joomla or Drupal. I chose Drupal, and I got obsessed with making that the hammer for every job, right? right the right. tool for every job. Right. And um, but but then you know, you know, walking away from it for a year or two and trying all these other things because I had a lot of reasons to do so made me realize there are other options. But I honestly don't know if I want to be the jack of all trades, right? Right. When I said, okay, I really like how Rails builds things. Um, I really was even more happy to find PHP in Laravel doing the same type of workflow that I enjoyed. Migrations, active record, um, you know, template files I could actually understand and freaking modify without having to hook the hook of the hook of something that I don't even know where it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, in, when I got to that level of like, okay, I was glad to come home to PHP and find a tool that uh, did what I enjoyed from Rails or Sinatra, right? Yeah. So I don't know if I ever want to go back to uh, Ruby on Rails or or uh, or I don't even have any reason to go back to and using MeanStack because I think we're cranking with with PHP. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it makes sense right now. I think you know. I think yeah. the big thing is like the mentality of, of like you know. I mean, just PH, just the PHP world is changing so quickly. Yeah. It's impossible for any one of us to know everything there is to know yeah. about everything that's going on. Um, so we can specialize in PHP um, and in and in Laravel. And for now, I think that's good. But um, would you would you take a job that says, "Hey, we want you to do this job. You got to build it in Silex." Yeah, I think. I mean, when, when, you mean, when you say take a job, you mean like just a six month project or something like yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I would actually love it because I think, um, you know, while in some ways it may seem like a step back, because um, I, I've I dabbled with Silex a little bit, and it's a lot of the things that you have to do there that you have to understand. It's it's not like rocket science, um, but a lot of that has been covered up by like syntactic sugar in Laravel. Um, yeah, you know, to where to where it's under the hood, you don't have to deal with a lot of that. But on some yeah. level, now that I'm, you know, be, be, you know, I'm increasing my mastery with with Laravel, yeah. I actually want to understand what's going on under the hood a little more. And of course, I can dig That's in. A good point. Um, but 
doing doing a project, um, you know, with Silex or one of these other uh, frameworks um, that are that are based on like modern PHP object oriented practices, uh, I, I view as like a really good thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, maybe after you experience that, you'd be like, never do it again. Cause, <laughs> that might no, because like you've done it. So <laughs> yeah, because we were forced to use Silex on this project, and by the time you're done, we. Uh, introduced migrations using an external PHP migration tool. We introduced uh, Tinker using, uh, um, I forget the name of the the tool, but because we wanted to do PHP artists and Tink and work around inside the framework. Because again, that was what Rails gave you. It gave you a nice way to dump into uh, Ruby really quick and and play with your framework inside a command line, right? right? right. Next thing you know, we needed a queue daemon. Well, guess what? We didn't have one, right? So here we are spinning up our own little queue daemon so that we can run it and, and clear up the queue and run the jobs on the queue real easily, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then we needed active record like type access to our data because it's just freaking awesome. And next thing you know, we used a standalone version of Eloquent. Um, so that by the time we're done and we needed templating, and next thing you know, I forget what we used. I think we used either Twig or Blade. Right. By the time you're done, we're like, oh, here's our Laravel install because it just we made <laughs> Silex Laravel because we just liked the workflow, right? <laughs> Because, you, you know, you don't, you're right, though. I think it was a great experience to be like, here's everything, you know, uh, make it work, nuts and bolts. Right. But in the end, I wanted the BMW with leather seats, you know, because I wanted to get my job done in comfort, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, makes uh, sense. And, I, and that's why he built Lumen, because he was using, Taylor Otwell was using Silex for, and Miss Slim, one of them, for um, building all his services. Uh, and he's like, okay, in the end, I just want to be able to talk to a queue talk to a database and uh, do all this stuff with the ease he's used to. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it makes sense what you're saying though, to try it and, and to experience it. <laughs> yeah. I see um, your side too. Though. Yeah. It was funny. Me and Matei wasted a lot of days just trying to get all this stuff going that we knew if we just pulled in, uh, we needed it. And we just knew if we pulled in Laravel, it would have just been there working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Oh my gosh. This is like migrations are wonderful. I mean, think about that workflow. Right. And think about what you used to do. Right. Right. Uh, You know, we have never had a conflict. We've never had a team say, I can't pull this down because my migrations conflicting with yours. Right. And and starting a new person on a project, uh, get pull composer, install PHBR, some migrate. There you go. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. We have it so good. (laughs) So cool. Um, uh, you know, I mean, if you think about what we used to do for struggling with installations and, 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 and pushing work and building work, you know, mm-hmm. uh, how hard it used to be for that stuff, I feel like. Yeah. Um, but all right, that was it for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for me, too. So we'll, we'll go ahead and um, post the links to the show page. And um, yeah, until next time. Yeah, thank you. Glad we're back on track. We'll be back sooner, uh, the Sunday after this one, I believe, right? Sounds good.